1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.
2: Ah, Yes, indeed, a very good evening. Welcome to the Maccas run. Oh, what a day it's been. I hope yours has been an absolute cracker, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. I hope it's been as good a day as it possibly can be for you. Uh, It's wonderful to have you on board, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us, right around the country, on the SEN network. Uh, The Mac has run, bringing you up to speed on all the major news stories of the day and the major conversations in sport and your chance to have your say on the news of the day. Give us a call, one 736 736 is the number. You can call from the Harcourt's open line, which is exactly that, open. Uh, Harcourt's open line. For all things real estate, speak to Harcourt's. You can text us at any stage as well. 0433 on the temper text. Temper a mattress like no other. And it's all for Maccas. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today with special sauce and juicy beef. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today. It just uh, makes your mouth water, doesn't it? Uh, Plenty to get through. And we've left it all open today because there is a heap happening around the place. We have left a uh, an open phone line, as it always is, unfettered you will be to have your say on the news of the day. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Some major talking points today and in no particular order we'll uh, start to work our way through them. So um, Melbourne dealing with just a little bit of fallout from um, the Steve May and Jake Melksham altercation, which... Uh, Apparently, uh, according to uh, a statement, happened uh, at 9pm on Sunday um, at, a, at a restaurant where some of the players were whining and dining. Um, Melbourne players Stephen May and Jake Melksham uh, have run into trouble after having a run-in with each other. So Melbourne released a statement today. Alan Richardson, the General Manager of Football Performance. Following a dinner on Sunday evening, Jake and Stephen informed us of a scuffle that took place after a lighthearted disagreement between the pair had escalated. Both Jake and Stephen had been drinking uh, at dinner and are incredibly remorseful that things played out the way they did. Given Stephen is still under the AFL concussion protocols from round 11, he was aware that under the club guidelines he should not have been drinking. Um, So in light of that, Stephen May has been suspended for the Queen's birthday clash at the MCG on Monday afternoon against Collingwood, the big freeze game. It says the leadership group has recommended to impose a one-match ban on Stephen, a decision which has been endorsed by the club's broader leadership. This will make him unavailable for both AFL and VFL selection. The statement goes on to say... Stephen and Jake will also complete community service through one of the club's community partners to ensure they understand the responsibility and impact they have as role models within the community. Over the last over the past three years, Stephen has developed into one of our most important on field leaders. And while the impact of not having him available for selection is significant, what is more significant to us is our culture and the commitment we have to live by our values. Stephen is extremely remorseful and accepts his actions. We're completely out of step. With the expectations of the club and his teammates have of him, he accepts the sanction handed down and makes no excuse for his poor judgement. We are proud of the culture we have built over the past few years and while we are disappointed with Stephen's behaviour, we back in his character and will support him to ensure he is armed to make better decisions for himself and the football club moving forward. So that's a statement that was released um, by the footy club in relation to Stephen May. Uh, According to reports... The manager of the restaurant had declined to comment uh and that there are up to a dozen players at the restaurant when tempers frayed apparently it started inside and might have gone outside uh, and that's where we find ourselves today this was stephen may uh, who not too long ago issued this apology
3: just uh, extremely disappointed um i know i've let a lot of people down um, especially myself and, and the footy club yeah um there's nothing i can really say um it's all about actions um and, and what I do going forward. Um, I know they'll be extremely disappointed. Our fans and supporters have been huge fans of mine um, and have backed me in, so I, I, really, um, I feel really apologetic to them. Um, they've, always, they've always had my back, but um, me not being out on the field is obviously letting them down, letting the team down. Um, so, no, nah, we're all good. Um, we're really good mates. Um, we have a lot of love for each other. We Sometimes guys can get a little bit um, competitive with banter and go a little bit overboard. and. Um, we certainly made an, an error of judgment in that, in that time. Um, we certainly didn't mean for any of this to come back on the footy club. It was something we tried to deal with ourselves. and um, But we, we've told our teammates today we're all fine. Um, don't feel like you have to pick sides or anything because we're, we're, we're still good friends. And it was just a, a silly decision that we made and um, deeply regret already.
2: So Stephen May, um, more and more becoming arguably Melbourne's most important player from what we're seeing of how they've performed when they haven't had him. Uh, out on the park over the last couple of weeks. You can make the argument, obviously, for Max Gorn as well, and Oliver and Petrarca, they're all crucial. But uh, the role he plays, he does it just about as well, if not better than anyone in the competition. But this isn't just about a football uh, point of view, is it? And that's what Melbourne have clearly shown today. It's strong leadership from them. Um, I understand that him not playing disadvantages the whole team. And I know there's some fans that are upset about that. It's a big game against Collingwood who have won four out of the last five against Melbourne, including last year in that Premiership year. It's a big stage. It's a marquee time slot. And it's a very important occasion too with what we're doing with the big freeze and fighting MND uh, and the inspirational Neil Danaher. Um, I understand that it disadvantages the whole team, but it makes an even stronger statement, doesn't it? It says that we put our standards and our rules and our values above winning and above all else because that will hopefully lead to us to being able to be not only just a better team, but a better club and an organisation and a place to work. Um, I'm sure you got coached by someone over your junior career that if you did the wrong thing, whether it be got late to training um, or, or did the wrong thing within a drill, that the whole team got down and did extra push-ups or extra sprints and stuff like that. And this is just a much bigger <laughs> and um, more monetized version of that, that what you do affects the whole team. And if you put us to a disadvantage, then the whole team will, and the whole club will feel that disadvantage. This is just on a much bigger scale. It's a teachable moment, isn't it? These are culture-defining moments that come up along the way. It doesn't particularly worry me what Steve may, may or may not have done in his past, I think the story about him having a beer a couple of years ago when he got to the club by some real winner who decided to take an opportunistic moment at a, at a bloke who was going through some stuff, take a photo and then leak it, probably said more about that person than it did about Steve May. I thought that was massively overblown at the at the time. I think the club did too. What happened to him and Campbell Brown as well was so long ago that it's irrelevant to this. It was nine years ago, not even the same club, and he wouldn't even be the same person. Thirty years old now, he would have been twenty twenty one at that time too. So all that's irrelevant in my view, in all of this too. What he is right now is one of their most important players. He's a senior player. He's a leader at the club. And he was drinking during concussion protocols. He got into a fight with a teammate in a public place. And I would imagine of all the uh, penalties and punishments he has, he'd be pretty bloody embarrassed that as a 30-year-old, and and Jake Melcham as well, that that's what they've gone out and done. That's not adult behaviour, is it? It's not how the club would want them to present themselves. So they're being strong here in their actions. Uh, They needed to be. They have been. Um... And I don't think anyone would be feeling worse about it than, than Jake Melksham and Steve May, who would know full well that what happened shouldn't have. Uh, it's not the end of the world either, but it just absolutely shouldn't happen. So as for the, I've heard people saying today, that where are the teammates? Why weren't they stopping him from having a drink? And that to me is a bit of rubbish as well. We don't know if they tried to or not. We're not there. We don't know what the conversations were. We don't know if that was what led to this conversation between Steve May and Jake Melksham that led to the fracas that ensued. The person solely responsible for Steve May drinking when Steve May shouldn't have been drinking is Steve May. And the only two people responsible for the fight that occurred in a public restaurant, much of the embarrassment of them and the club, are Steve May and Jake Melksham, who are both, from what I'm told, and I've met them both very briefly, so I've only known them for... G'day, how are you? Nice to meet you. But they are both, from what I know, and very good blokes and very good people. But all very good blokes and very good people make a mistake at some point. It's not the end of the world, but it is well done to Melbourne for making the hard call... um, at their, to their own disadvantage for what they're trying to achieve on field to make sure that they further instil what they stand for off field and that's probably where it it ends um, in that regard. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 to have your say on that uh, Fossil is calling from Kielor East who wants to do uh, exactly that in regards to Steve May. G'day Foss
4: Well it's just two points that I'd like to make. Yeah First of all Knowing full well that they're going to play Collingwood, wouldn't you think that he'd have second thoughts because he's out drinking and then then uh, uh, taking up a a charge against his, his, his teammate? teammate. So, sorry,
2: the, so the point you're making there falsely, you're questioning why they were drinking... When they had Collingwood coming up, because like, that's a Sunday that that's happened. They didn't play Collingwood on the Monday, so it ends up being an eight-day break, which clubs are okay generally with the players, especially senior players and older players having a having a beer, um, no, as long I'm as they behave out. themselves.
4: What I'm pointing out it's it, it's coming up next Monday. You know, it, it's a very important game for both Collingwood and Melbourne, aren't they? Isn't it? Yep, absolutely. And that's why I think. Cause it's, He should have had second thoughts about going and behaving the way he has.
2: Yeah, and obviously for his own safety as well, given what we're still trying to learn um, about concussion and and what the effects are and what can affect it. You know, there's so much that we still don't know in that space. So just even looking after his own well-being um, is is paramount to, to all of this as well. Foss, thank you for your call. Alan's on the road. G'day, Alan.
4: Yeah, uh, look, I just want to say that it doesn't matter what Melbourne does, but what they've done is correct because they got to set this right standard. I'll give you an example. Mm. Uh, I would say arguably uh, Alan Jeans was the best autumn coach ever because had he not had that aneurysm and had that year off, he would have been four-time premiership, and some would argue that it could have been five-time premiership if you know had he not rolled over uh, in sorry in 1984. I just want to make a mention on what he did. People don't realize that Alan Hughes was behind why Gary Alpha Senior didn't stay at all. He told him that if he's not going to come to training, he might as well not turn up, pack your bags, and go. And and we're talking about arguably the best, the most talented player ever. And 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 you set a standard, and you benefit, you know, seven or eight consecutive um, Grand Final attendance and five premierships in that period. So Melbourne are going to lose. They may lose a game to. Um, to Collingwood this week because Maine may not play. But they're saying, look, we're not going to deviate from the guidelines and the set standards. It doesn't matter who you are. I think in the long run, they're going to benefit that because they'll win the premiership if they're meant to because you don't play a premiership in in June or July. It's played in September or October. I'm sorry, September or October if the year happens to be, you know, like it was a couple of years ago. Years back, I just think they're they going to benefit from this. It doesn't matter who it is. You, you set a standard. I don't know if you know this story, but when when Deepa, uh I think another player and and Dunstall got arrested in Las Vegas. He stuck his head into the cops' backseat and he goes, "Take him to jail, but make sure you don't shoot that fat one," referring to Dunstall.
2: Oh, that was and in his. That was in uh, Jason's book, The Goal King. Um, one yeah, of my favourite so books.
4: Yeah, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter who the player is. They gotta learn their lesson, and 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 May's gonna know he can't, he can't be singled out for being one of the better players. And
2: yeah, no, it's it. yeah, no. Good points that you make, Alan. It's 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 that battle or war part, isn't it? That this is. You know, you might win a game with Steve May there, but overall, do you, do you win the war? Not, It's probably not the right analogy, but it's certainly... You, you can go and win that game, but what does that really win you at the end of the day when you're trying to build something much bigger and stand for much more than just wins and losses? Um, it is a, a culture definer, and, um, and I think that they've made the right call in regards to the, the one-week suspension. Uh, and, and good to see Stephen May fronting up as well, which is the other good thing of this, that they don't just try and shuffle him off to the side and hide him. They've put him up and um, he's made his apology uh, as well. Uh, Andrew's in Briar Hill. Good day, Andrew. G'day. Uh,
0: look, I've got a, a funny little uh, story to tell you. It, it, it's irrelevant to what Stephen May's... Um, Done. He's, he's had a fight with his with his colleague and whatnot. But a similar thing happened with my brother. I was nine years of age and we're fighting over footy socks, favourite pair of footy socks. And Mum's heard a scuffling in the background, so she's called uh, an interim meeting and she's banned us from playing the game on the day of the footy. And I lost the uh, best and fairest by a vote as a as a uh, as a consequence. But she was just still installing the values in. Um, I've never forgotten it, and I'm 37 years of age. So teachable moment, Andrew. Yeah, so hopefully Stephen may will learn from it and and realizes that you know he's not bigger than the team, and that he's got to really realize that his consequences are the you know you know uh, will follow on from that, and he could if it had been at the other end of the uh, the season you know, he would have been rubbed out probably, I reckon, by the sound of that, they might have. So,
2: yeah. So, you know, just... Yeah, well, it's a speculative one, but, yeah, it, it would sound like, Andrew, that they would. Uh This off the text. Sam, if this was to Goey, how would media slash you react? May has had as many, if not more, issues. Uh That's patently untrue, but, Denno, uh, I'll keep reading your text. Yet you're forgiving him. Are you towards the Goey? That you're comparing apples and oranges, and I don't often... Um, get involved in that. But what I would say in response that I'm not sure where in amongst all that you heard me say that's forgiven. Um, I said it was embarrassing for them. I said that behavior is unacceptable from both of them. They would know that as well. They're both in their thirties. But this has got absolutely nothing to do with Jordan Dugowie and their circumstances have nothing to do with each other in any way, shape or form. But always great to get your text, mate. And I appreciate you sending it in and, and asking the question. Um, We'll come back on the other side of this. Plenty more to talk about. Um, We'll go through the... Oh, that's going to end up somewhere, isn't it? (laughs) The Christian Petrarca. (laughs) Oh, goodness me. It's been a a day. I'll tell you. It's been the day. Uh, On the other side of this, Christian Petrarca's comments on uh, FM radio. Probably another one that's been blown out of proportion. And I'm going to try and find where there might be some elements of truth in it. We'll do that on the other side of this. Joe Inroville will stay there. Uh, and Adrian in Chelsea uh, will get you on the other side of this as well. This is the Macca's Run. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today on SEN.
1: Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves.
2: With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Uh, Adrian's called us in Chelsea. Adrian, hello, mate. G'day, Sam. Uh, thanks for keeping us company on the way
5: home, mate. Listen, just a different perspective on the um, the May and... Melbourne thing, like mm-hmm. I'm sure they're both great blokes. I've made a mistake. Everyone's going to get over it. It's all good, but I'm just a little concerned that part of the punishment in inverted commerce is community service, and I just wonder how that looks for those sort of community partners who see people come down. They see it on the news as part of your, you know, your, your pen punishment. You're coming out to, to serve those partners. I don't know if it's a good look.
2: Um, I would sort of respectfully disagree, Adrian. I think it is a good look, especially if they go and and do that. I mean, that's, again, there's a level of um, embarrassment that's going to come with that and they'll be pretty sheepish, I'd imagine, about having to be there. But the benefits of them actually going and doing that work could be life-changing for them. They could be life-changing for the people that they do it with, um... At not saying that footballers are the cures for all the ailments in the world, um, not in any way, shape or form am I saying that, but I think that there are plenty of positives that can come out of that.
5: Okay, no, fair enough and I happily, happily agree to disagree on that one. I just think that, you know, if it is a, a proactive approach that the clubs are taking, mm. you know, you'd hope know, maybe and I know they do a lot anyway, I totally accept that and, and I'm thrilled that the club's doing more and more each year, but I'm really passionate on, you know, people doing it for the right reasons and regardless
2: of the benefits, I just question that. Yeah, open. well, at least, uh, from what I understand, Adrian, I mean, the Jordan Ngoi was brought up earlier. From what I understand, one of the community... And, I, and I'd have to go back and read the article, but my understanding is, and, and I don't want to cop the yod now, you're contradicting yourself, but it does make me think of the article that was written about some of the community service work he'd done where I think he is still doing, and not that, but even though it's past the requirement for him to do it, and I think that's probably happened several times over the journey with this stuff when a player... Um, has been made to do it. I think sometimes it ends up being something they continue to do, which hopefully that can occur here as well. Hey, Christian Petrarca, uh, his comments on uh, FM radio, I think it was Kiss, I can't quite remember. I think it was Kiss uh, today. This was what he had to say about uh, their form at the moment and their crowds at the moment.
3: It's too. Well, we need a
6: crowd first to actually yeah. get ourselves going. No one comes. When you come out there and you only see really 30,000 there, it's pretty. Cool. Why are numbers down? Well, it's Saturday, Arvo. Saturday night. We played 4:30 last week against Frio, and that's not a great time for a Saturday night game. Yeah. And then Saturday night 7:20 is not. It's just been. Too, it's just too cold at the moment. I don't think people. Yeah. Want to come and?
1: Are they still doing? I um, find
6: our, our age demographic for our fans is still quite older.
3: He's not getting the feels from the crowd. He gets out there and he looks around and he goes, oh, "There's only about 29,000 here. I'm not going to put on the best show." I don't know. Is that what he's saying or not?
1: I, I love him. I love him. as.
3: But you don't like hearing that, do you? That is not your
1: finest. I, that's not – I would say this. I don't think that's a well-considered take from Christian. He's been lulled into – I think that's a – no, and I'm not having to go at the FM, but that seems to me like he's just musing out loud and hadn't really thought that through because that, that is – I hadn't <laughs> heard that. I hadn't heard it either.
3: The fact that he said then that, you know, you look around, there's not a big crowd <laughs> yeah. there –
1: yeah, I, don't, I think when he reflects on that, he'll know damn well that that sounded pretty poor. But
2: Yeah, I reckon that's probably where this one ends ends as well. I think if, if Christian Petrarca had his time over again, he might go, hmm, I may have just considered the words a bit... I don't think he meant any offence or insult or wasn't pointing fingers uh, at anyone. I think he was just musing about what may or may not be happening in terms of their crowds, because I think we're all feeling like, and I know that we've got the lowest crowd since 96, but I think we're all feeling like, Melbourne might have had bigger crowds this year than what we're currently showing. And and when you look through what he was saying, maybe there is an element of truth to it. I'm just going to hypothesize here that I thought they'd have more, but they are do have they do have the fifth most uh, crowd on average in the competition behind uh, the big four, or the big Victorian four, but there might be some factors that do contribute to that. And maybe their age demo of their fans and members, which the club would know, they'd have they'd know what the average age is. Maybe that is something that is contributing when it comes to the difficulties of getting to the footy, which footy, which we know are many and varied, lowest crowd since 96. If the average age of your fan is higher than the other teams, then some of those issues are exacerbated even more, like the parking issues, um, ticketing issues, and, and things like that. It is worth noting that Melbourne have also been dotted when it comes to the marquee time slots this year. They had the Wednesday night to open the season. They've had one Friday night game versus Essendon. That got 44,500. They've had one Thursday night game. Well, that was in Adelaide against Port, so that's not theirs, and they haven't really had the good time slots after that. So um, I don't think it's, it fully excuses the turnouts to some of the games, but it does give some perspective. And if they can... Um, in fact, we're going to hit this ad break. So hold that thought. Ad break, you can't move. Uh, we'll come back. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and
1: juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's
2: today. Uh, welcome back or to the Macca's run, recapping the major talking points of the day. Uh, on the Harcourts open line, you can have your say on the news of the day, your move, your Harcourts, 1300 736 736, and make sure on your way home, you do grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Just before the break, we were speaking about Christian Petrarca's comments on uh, uh, on uh, Kiss FM earlier today, when he was just uh, musing, pontificating, Hypothesising about why maybe that Melbourne aren't getting the crowds, I think they were hoping that they would off the back of that drought-breaking premiership in 2021. They're currently um, fifth for average home crowds this season, um, and he had a few things. Maybe it's the age of their um, age demographic, demographic of their fan base uh, and their membership, uh, the, the weather at the moment, the time slots they're getting. They have only had one marquee home game um, this year in a Thursday we call it, we we believe Thursdays and Fridays are the marquee slots now and they've only had one of those that was against Essendon and they got 44,000 um, the other Friday night they had was uh, that was a Friday night they had a Thursday night against um, Port Adelaide and that was over there so they haven't really been in those prime time slots which they will be on Monday for a marquee fixture So that's a chance for the Melbourne faithful to say, no, no, we we will come out, we will show up and show out. But I was just thinking that maybe there is some elements of truth to it. So the Melbourne marketing team would know the age, roughly demographically, of their membership base. This is a team that hasn't had a lot of success over years. When you don't have that success, you don't get the young kids who might not follow their parents' wishes and barrack for that team, but they might want to go who their friends barrack for. So maybe it was the Cats and the Hawks and the Tigers um, in recent years as well. And maybe when you do have an aging demo, maybe that does mean that some of the issues that we're feeling that people are, that we, you're, you're telling us that you're experiencing in going to the footy, in being able to get to the footy, lowest crowd since 96 on average. For an older demographic, the weather does become more of a factor. The time of day does become more of a factor. Ticketing issues that people have, parking issues. These things are all exacerbated if you do have an older demo. So it might not be the, it might not be point it might not be nailing exactly what the issue is but maybe there's an element of truth to what christian petrarca had to say and i'm sure he might if he had his time over again might say things just a little differently um i don't think it fully excuses the poor turnouts at some of the games but it does give some perspective as to why it might be happening and if they can string this dynasty together they will attract that younger fan base that will help uh in the long term to make sure that they do creep up into the top four um, attended uh, as far as games that are attended uh, and and followers and followings in the competition. So as far as Petrarca goes, it's not really that big a deal. Um, if he could have his time again, he might say it a little differently, but there could be some elements of truth in amongst all of that. Um, and it may have come across a little flimsy in the excuse stakes, but maybe, just maybe, there's some things that ring... True to what he had to say, Joey's in Roeville. He's been waiting very patiently to have his say uh, on crowd numbers. Hello, mate.
7: G'day, Sammy. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, just on, I've uh, got a couple of points. Just on a joke on the point of view. Maybe Melbourne supporters would rather um, drive their Range Rovers with their heavy seats and listen to the with the broadcast this time of year. It Might get a bit cold for them.
6: Oh, uh... Joey, you're,
2: you're going to get you're going to get us <laughs> in trouble, my friend. You're throwing up Melbourne. There's some Melbourne people getting very, very sick of that old chestnut being thrown up at them. Joke. Yeah, but, but on a
7: serious note, Sam Right? you know how long I've been on the footy for? I, 40 years. Yeah. Now, I think people are genuinely scared of travelling on public transport. I went to the Hawthorne-Collingwood game on Sunday. There was 45,000 people there. I got to Richmond Station. The train had already been sitting there for three or four minutes, Sammy. I basically walked into the train, and I could pick where to seat. Really? You shouldn't be able to straight do Straight after the same, game? Yeah, yeah, straight after the game. Wow. And the same thing happened to the on the Hawthorne-Geelong game. I, and that's why now... You see, not just going to the footy, but just in general, why the roads are so busy. Because I honestly believe that people are genuinely scared to catch public transport because of COVID. That's my thoughts, Sammy. I mean, like I said, I my son breaks for Richmond. I took into the Collingwood-Richmond game when it was, and then we, went, we, we did a double header. We went and saw the Hawthorne-Essling game. Right? We made a day of it. I caught the train from Corford Station to go to the MCG, and that train, I swear, we've got a seat straight away. One hour before the game, time, so you going to watch Collingwood and Richmond, and you know what kind of crowds these two teams pull, yeah? Well,
2: that's interesting. I was not aware that there was it was a ghost town on the trains because that was never the case. I mean. You know, I remember when we used to come get the train down when I was a kid from Bendigo and we'd get it to Spencer Street then you get it around the city loop to Flinders and then to Richmond and you would get off there, you were jammed in like a sardine and you come off at Richmond Station, you walk up and there comes the Coliseum just looming up out of the ground. That right of passage it still gives me chills to think about my early days going to the G. So you're telling me that that's just not happening at all, Joe?
7: No, nah, no. Nah. Like I said,
2: Sam, I've been going to the footy for 40 yeah. years, mate. I've been a member for 40 years. Hey, and I, I noticed it. I, I, something yeah? just popped into my mind. How old's your son? Yep. Yeah. Uh, he's 11. Why does he barrack for Richmond and not Hawthorne? Oh, don't ask. No, no, because I was, making the, I was <laughs> making the point earlier about about successful teams, often kids will want to go yeah. where the winners are. Um, I know that when I was a kid, yeah. my dad barrack for Collingwood, but at the age of five... Um, the, the the stepmother I had at the time, her father barracked for Hawthorne, and they won the 86 grand final. I was five years old, and then I jumped ship and went and started barracking for Hawthorne from the age of five. So yeah. well, is, that what, is that what happened to your boy? 100%, Sammy.
7: Like when he was a bit younger, I started taking him to the Hawthorne Games. He actually had a membership, but when he started going to school, that's at the time that Richmond sort of started becoming successful. You know, everybody... Fell in love with Dusty Martin. So, you know, yep. mum got by me a Richmond jumper, number four, and that was it, Sammy. From there on, he's like, followed Richmond, which is okay. I'm all right. With a bit of rivalry inside the house, is good. I would have loved him to still be been a Hawthorne um, member and supporter, but as long as he enjoys the game, yeah, that's, that's not what really matters to me. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> Joey, always great to chat to you, mate. Thanks for uh, giving us that insight. No worries, Sammy. Have a good one. You too. Uh, Joe in Roeville. Our old mate Muzzer in Geelong. Hello, Muzz.
5: Um, listening to SEN today that on Jared's show and Dwayne Russell's show before I went to the swimming pool, a lot of people are um, sick of paying 50 and $60 for car parking
1: because
2: mm. they
5: can't park at the Jeep. Um, if you've got a disabled car parking permit, you're fine. Yeah. But that'll only allow 200 cars in. And if it's rained, the first 200 cars and that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, like people are sick of paying sixty and seventy and eighty dollars to park, um, and, and that's another reason. And also, I did an analysis with a mate. Um, him and three children that are all adults to have two pies, two beers, two soft drinks, and to get in, and he got twenty dollars change out of two hundred.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it, it makes it very prohibitive, Muzz. Uh, always great to chat to you, my friend. Uh, Ben's in Good G'day, Ben. Yeah, hey, how are you going, mate? I'm well, thank you.
5: Just a bit of a rebuttal back to that last caller about the train. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a Carlton supporter, and I catch the train every week to the football. And I come on the northern line, which is Mernda or Hurstbridge line, and... We're sitting on top of other people because there's so many people in the train, and that's every week. So I don't know what's going. Maybe there's, maybe the lines are broken down on that train line in Richmond, but every week it is full. So
2: okay, that that
5: hundred percent full.
2: No, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but it just it adds another layer, doesn't it? It's the mystery deepens, doesn't it, as to exactly why um, we're just not going to the football and it just might be a lag coming out of COVID. I think it's made up of the sum of all parts, Ben. That's my gut feel is that this isn't just, there's not one main reason. There's a collective of little reasons.
5: But can I make another point about, as, as for scheduling now, Carlton, we've had mother's day and we've had Easter Sunday two years in a row. Now, when Melbourne
2: supporters say scheduling, I think Carlton always get the raw end of the deal. Yeah. yeah. So, but in in today's day and age, we're told that the floating fixture, which we've been, um, which has been implemented over the last couple of years, first it was for COVID and then it was expanded into, we're going to put the best performed teams in the best time slots. Apart from this year, with all due respect, Carlton haven't been one of the best performed teams. So it surprises me that this year to date, Melbourne have had just the one Friday and the one Thursday. They did have the season open on a Wednesday, um, but they haven't really been in. I mean, they they had the they have the ANZAC Eve clash um, against Richmond, right. but I but I but I would say that they haven't really had a heap of of the uh, the prime time slots, given that they are the reigning premiers. Well, we'll see
5: on Monday when. If the Melbourne supporters rock up on uh, Queen's birthday, for sure, and and if they don't, then we can put this to bed that they just don't come out in winter time.
2: It's a. I, I think we'll get a response, Ben. I think they've got a membership base of sixty thousand. Of course, they're not all based in in Victoria. Um, teams have members spread all around the country and some around the globe, but it is a marquee slot. It is not up against any other game. It's a public holiday, Monday afternoon. It's not too late, not too early. It's not the three bears. It should be just right. So I'm expecting, I'm backing in the Melbourne faithful to show up en masse and represent in a big, big way for a an occasion that is bigger than just football. And they will show up because... We Neil Danaher is an inspiration and uh, and I know that uh, not only will they want to be there um, to show up and show out for their team but more so to support this incredible cause and get behind the inspirational work of Neil Danaher in the fight to to cure MND. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 to have your say on the news of the day, the Harcourt's open line. So I suppose we had to at some point, didn't we? The story last night, and I did mention it a couple of times, and I was surprised that the phone didn't ring off the hook when it happened, but Sam Landsberger's report that, uh, according to his sources, there has been a softening on the umpire dissent um, and how it is adjudicated and how strict they will be on it. And the response across the day has been a really interesting one, and I'd like to get yours as well, one three hundred seven let us start on breakfast with Gary Lyon, who's been, in my mind, one of the real measured voices in this. Uh, one of the real wise heads in discussing this issue. And he spoke again about it today. And I'm big supporters
1: of this and still are. And, and Okay, let's go to the end first, right? So the end for me now as, as a spectator is it's great. Mm. I think the players are doing are a great job. They're mm. pulling their heads in. There's none of that real aggressive. And every now and then there will be. Yep. And they'll pay a 50. So be it. But. When, the last time we heard an official take from the AFL was Brad. Um, and they weren't moving. It no, was zero tolerance. That's right. I've, I've written it down. They again. were the word, zero tolerance. Brad Scott says that there is zero acceptable dissent. Now they're saying, well, as long as there's a show of restraint, which it would be the reason, I think that's reasonable. That's what, reasonable. What they're saying is yep. reasonable. It just needs to be communicated to the broader footy world. So we, we as commentators and we as people who sit in the outer and watch it and we see the arms go thrown yep. out get paid one in eight, yeah. we go,
2: what's going on? Gary Lyon, Tim Watson today, SCN.com.au to hear the full chat.
6: In, to set a standard, often you need to go past it and then let it come back down. It's very hard to build people up to it because not everyone's going to buy into it. You've just got to – like you come out and you punch someone in the nose and then you just come, come off that a little bit. And that's, I think that's the way the AFL have played it. And, and to Brad Scott's credit – that's his style, and I—it's—it's it's defin- it was definitive, and then that's now it's not so definitive. <laughs> do oh, man, we do we nonsense. do we expect that the AFL or a football club or an organisation is going to be able to get to the finishing point at the start? I don't. I think that the process has actually been quite organic and effective. The, the major point, the motherhood point that you that we were making is that respect for umpires needs to improve.
2: Nathan Buckley as well today. Um, I'm going to get to Dean Margetts in just a moment who who gave his view on this as well. But I've been saying all along that the hysteria around this, uh, which, which this dissent situation has been met with, has been maybe the biggest overreaction to any change that's been implemented in football governance and umpiring in the history of the game. And at times it's been a little embarrassing I've got to say. I've also said, though, that the AFL has contributed to this overreaction in a substantial way by again refusing to communicate effectively and respectfully with the major stakeholders in the game, which are you, the fan, and the broadcasters and the sponsors who put in the money. It's either arrogance or naivety when it comes to this in the way that the AFL communicates in so many different areas of the game, on so many different issues in the game whether it be scheduling or umpiring decisions or this dissent situation they either don't think they have to or don't understand why they should either way that's a problem they are the guardians of the game they're the stewards of the game not the owners of the game and with the major stakeholders of the game the fans and the broadcasters who along with the sponsors give all the money that's who you need to be bringing along with you in this that you need to be almost beholden to in a way in your role as the keepers of the game and the stewards of the game at the start of the year, there should have been a press conference with all the umpires, Gill, the whole executive team, all the captains, all the coaches, announcing that for the first time in the history of the game, they were going to start enforcing Rule 18.8.2, free kicks. Umpires, a field umpire, shall award a free kick against a player or official who a uses abusive, insulting, threatening, or obscene language towards an umpire, or behaves in an abusive, insulting, and threatening or obscene. I just read the same thing twice, or um. Or disagrees, where's that gone? Um, or Or disputes, here it is, or disputes a decision of an umpire. So I'll read that again. Abusive, insulting, threatening or obscene language towards an umpire or disputes a decision of an umpire. We have a shortage of umpires and we are sick of seeing our players treat umpires with disrespect and disdain in their reaction to umpiring decisions. It won't be tolerated anymore and we need your help as fans of the game, the lifeblood of the game, to be part of this, to get on board, to help us achieve our goal of encouraging more umpires to be part of our great game, which we can't have if they're not involved in it or something along those lines because all the players are in, all the coaches are in, everyone's in. We need you to be in as well. But we didn't do that and that was a massive mistake and it then got sort of shoehorned in and then unfortunately the words were uttered, arms out is 50. I think that's an umpire who just misspoke. I really do. And then that was the hat that we hang all of our outrage on when it came to this issue. But it was a mistake not to communicate it then, and it was a mistake not to communicate a slight softening of that stance. However, the reaction to the impact of the enforcement of the rule far outweighs the actual impact that it's had. And the reaction has had stuff all perspective for the greater good of the game at times. And this is not everyone, by the way. I said that, you know, you can hear... You can hear the measured voices, the, 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 the bigger picture opinions, the wiser heads of Gary Lyon, Nathan Buckley. I'll play Jerry Whateley uh, in just a moment uh, as well. But the greater good and understanding of just how hard it is to implement something like this hasn't been factored in for some people. It's a quantum leap in the way that the game's officiated. We're trying to change behaviours that exi- have existed from day one of how players have treated umpires and how umpires have reacted to that treatment. So like any rule that's introduced or major generational change, it takes time to bed that in. There are always teething problems. Umpires trying to recondition themselves to actually pay a free kick that they never have in their whole existence. And the players, to their credit, have changed quick smart and should be commended for it. And so have the umpires. But like all decisions on field, some are going to be missed and the perspective of dissent will differ from umpire to umpire, and there'll be some overcorrections, but it'll find its place in due course. Just like Pantene, it doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. It got me thinking about parenting. You ask any parent about when they finally say enough's enough of one of their kids' poor stretches of behaviour that they've been putting up with for far too long. They implement a strong and definitive change, they draw a very clear an immovable and non-budgeable line in the sand. They don't deviate until they feel like the kid finally gets it. And if you wonder why I'm using a parent and kid analogy, because the players were behaving like children, let's be honest. They can't have it each way because you won't change any behaviours at all if you don't draw that clear line in the sand and do not budge from it until you're confident the change in behaviour has been bedded in. And then you do go about giving some leeway. You ease the restrictions just a little bit. And that's what we're seeing here. It's not an admission of getting anything wrong. It's not the doomsdayers who have been up in arms about this, that the world's going to cave in and the game's going to cease to exist as we know it. It's not a win for them. It's just the next phase of its evolution and the implementation of it. But it could have been all the much more smoother if the powers that be had 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 enough respect for you and I to explain it openly and honestly along the way. But sadly, in this and in all matters, it seems like they don't believe they should have to or don't understand why they should have to. So that's the descent situation. We'll hear more from Dean Margetts on the other side of this. This is the Macca's Run.
1: Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today.
2: Uh, the number on the Harcourt's open line, 1300 736 736. We've just been discussing uh, Sam Landsberg's story in the Herald Sun yesterday about the reported softening um, of the descent rules and that the uh, players will... Uh, be able to uh, show some emotion as long as uh, they're able to show restraint, is what the Landsberger, Sam Landsberger's report was saying, uh, the drop last night. So if you wanted to have your view on that, one 736 736 or 0433 Now, spending an hour with you on the Sporting Capital next, and then uh, future stars, thanks to Bravo Management, um, special guest um, in this evening's uh, episode, uh, myself. And James Pitcher joining me again. Uh, Picker's not here, but we'll be speaking to the list manager of the West Coast Eagles, Rowan O'Brien. That's at 8 o'clock this evening. And then at 8.30, it's time for Without Bias, our dedicated Lawn Bowl show. Uh, This one off the text, Jason in Mernda. Why not suspend all players present? They are all aware of protocols. Leadership group uh, present and then decide on suspensions is a bit hypocritical. Poor leadership. Not sure if the leadership group were actually at that dinner, um, Jason. And... None of the other players are actually uh, breaching any rules that the club have in place. They're on an eight-day break. So most most clubs uh, are okay with their players having a drink off the back uh, during a, an eight-day break. So, um, And that was on the Sunday. So they were well away from uh, their game that's coming up on Monday. So none of the other players that were there actually had done anything wrong. It was uh, Steve May and Jake Melksham that got into a scuffle uh, inside and then apparently, according to reports, it spilled outside. Stephen May wasn't supposed to be drinking because he was in uh, concussion protocol. So that should answer your question there. Uh, and then off the text, let the boys blew at training. sound. gloves on, last spot in the team to the winner get it out of their system and find out who wants the spot more in the team. That's what went on in my day. Melbourne lost their hunger. This is the best thing for them. So that's taking a very different approach. Uh, Sporting Capital up next. Looking forward to taking your calls uh, on the other side of this.